once again to the Inspired Minds podcast. Yet again, as always, and hopefully forever, my name is Jeff Watson, and I am indeed your gracious and grateful host. I have been listening back to these podcasts. This, by the way, I think this is actually the 30th episode that uh, is up now. Hooray! Hooray for 30! Dirty 30! Whatever the hell they say. I'm very excited to be doing these things. And I was listening to myself on these shows earlier, and my God, do I talk fast. I am so sorry to people that have to listen to me. I get When I get excited, I just talk fast. There's so much stuff in my brain going on at once that it's hard for me to spit it out at a normal pace. This has always been the case for me, by the way. When I was a child at five years old, I was stuttering like crazy. I mean, just, it was terrible. And by the way, for any stutterers that may be out there, fuck Porky Pig, because that was the entire joke was that pig was stuttering. That was the whole gag. Hated that guy. Still do. But I learned over time how to how to kind of work with the muscles in my mouth and the tongue. But that doesn't stop the brain from going a billion miles an hour. So I will work a little bit, perhaps, on slowing down. I am slowing down currently, but when I get excited, that does not happen. That's my dis- that's, that's my disclaimer. I want to talk about comedy just for a little bit for this little intro and how it how it influenced me and what it does for me currently. So, but I want to go backwards. When I was a kid, I saw Gun Frankenstein. I think it was like nine or something like that on TV for some reason, and I was in love. I didn't understand a lot of it, but I knew it was funny. Then I got into other Mel Brooks movies, Blazing Saddles, Boom. High Anxiety I was into. Didn't even know it was a Hitchcock ripoff. I just thought it was hilarious. History of the World Part 1, of course that was funny. Then it was Steve Martin and the jerk, the genius of Steve Martin. And all the the absent-minded waiter that he did, that gag. And movie after movie after movie that he did. Then Robin Williams. And I got really into him, probably because I talk as fast as Robin Williams. Andy Kaufman became a thing for me. He still is for... It's just wonderful, absurdist comedy. Bill Hicks later became a real inspiration for me because partially it was because vitriol that I <laughs> related to. But also, when I was in college, I became an intern at a radio station in Santa Barbara. And it was a really bad rock radio station. And there were these two morning show DJs. And I was a wacky intern. And I hated it. It just it wasn't my shtick. But... My job was at 6 a.m. was to drive the comics who I pick them up from a hotel and they had just performed that night at the only comedy club in Santa Barbara at that time, which was called P.O. Pans. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Terrible place, but pretty funny comedians. But I would go pick them up in the morning. They were miserable, miserable, understandably, for getting up at 7 a.m. and 6 a.m. to have to do some shitty morning show again and again and again. So I'd pick them up. They were mad. They had to be there. And I agreed with them. I understood because I didn't want to be there in the first place either. So I bonded with these people. And I understood a little bit about how that mentality is, about how comics look at things differently. And they can tell truths. They can really tell true meanings. And so the, at least the good ones. That's what really makes great comedy, I think, is truth-telling. And that's always kind of been my thing. And I've realized, too, that with uh, – I've said this on a bunch of shows, but I've been through a lot of trauma about eight years ago, and trauma compounds, so it continues. And I realized this concept that the existentialists said 
they said that to laugh at the absurdity of the universe, to laugh at the absurdity, at just how silly this whole thing is. And that's kept me alive, quite frankly, through this experiences that I've had. Because I just try and not laugh at everything like, oh, you're dumb. I just, it's just, oh, oh, you universe. Oh, you universe, you silly universe. And it's an act of almost embracing the chaos that we experience in this world. Um, so that's my shtick. That's why I enjoy it. And the reason I bring up comedy right now is because this next interview that I'm uh, going to introduce you to was comic and her name is Sarah Halstead and Sarah excuse me Sarah has she's an actress and a comedian she's appeared in over 90 commercials and she's done a bunch of guest star roles in film and TV she also has a comedy special that's up now called on on Amazon called RVs and Cats which is about when she was a high flying uh, champagne shooting the champagne business doing really well financially but just wasn't fulfilled so she Scrapped the whole thing, got in an RV, a bunch of cats, and just drove until she figured out where she wanted to go. That is at the heart of this Inspired Minds podcast. We also got into the male domination of comedy and how that affects things. We got into Joan Rivers. We got into Duran Duran. We got into a, the, the terrible situation that they had in Flint, Michigan, where they had no clean water because she's from Flint and she does a lot of work there as well. My favorite part of the interview was the very beginning when we talked about Barbara Streisand's Evergreen and I know that song, <laughs> and I even played it for her on guitar for a heartbeat, because I'm the weirdest guy in the world, strangest podcast host, that's probably a fact, because I know that song like the back of my hand. As always, I hope you had a wonderful time listening to this as much as I did making it, because this lady rules. Have a great night, have a great day, have a great 4 a.m., wherever you are, and I'm going to start signing off these things with the following. I'm stealing from NYPD Blue. It's be careful out there. That's all I got. Bye. All right. Hello, everyone. Dazzled audience of the Inspired Minds podcast. I have with me the wonderful, wonderful Sarah Halstead. Sarah, say hello to the gathered people. Hi, Sarah Halstead here. Thank you very much for having me, Jeff. I cannot wait to do this. Um, as, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, I haven't had a comic on the show yet and we've had a lot of people in different creative uh worlds but i believe that comedy is truth telling when it's done right Mm -hmm. but before we get too far into this i want to ask you the question that i always love asking when i start these things which is when you were younger what is the first thing that you can remember that inspired you as a kid was it a song or a book or a joke something uh, the first thing that inspired me was the song Evergreen by Barbara Streisand. Holy shit. Yes. And I loved it so much. And I sang by myself in my bedroom. And my mom just thought I was this prodigy. And she would bring me out to her Tupperware parties. And I would have to <laughs> sing it in front of everyone. And I just absolutely love and still to this day, it's, it holds a very special place in my heart. And I did see Babs in, live in Detroit once. And uh, when she sang Evergreen, I cried so overcome with emotion. I just think it's just the best, best piece of art ever created. I'm not disagreeing with you right now. I can hear it in my head. <laughs> 
I'm like, yeah, love soft as an easy chair. Do 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 do. La 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 la. Let's harmonize. Whole show. Let's do the entire show doing musicals. I'm okay with that. Love it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's, I, I haven't heard that yeah. one. I, I, yeah. I, I, so you'd be, you'd be brought around to different, like a train? Yeah, yeah. My mom, train. because it was such a, a sophisticated, advanced thing for a little four year old to cling on to. True. I mean, and, and, and since then, I've gone downhill, man. That's the most sophisticated piece of art I, I'm attached to. How was it? Attached to. <laughs> How was that? I, you know, I got to say this, too. The show is so weird because it's like so many weird ties to some of these people I talk to because I just remembered this. One of the first songs I learned how to play guitar was Evergreen. I'm not kidding. I just forgot really? it. Yeah, wow. I just remember it. Wow. I could, probably, I could probably, actually, hold on one second. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever heard a guitar version. Well, let's do a little uh, podcast first, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see if I can remember it. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. This this is going to be awful. This is going to be awful. On guitar, on lead guitar. Who's even out of tune? Vocals. Love looks fresh as the morning. I tried. Hey, that was excellent. (laughs) Not really. You know, I'm one of those people where I only know the first four versions, uh, the first four bars of Stairway to Heaven. I get everybody excited and then I stop and I have a cramp in my right hand so I can't finish it. You're done. (laughs) That's not very rock and roll. But but I know those first four bars, man. (laughs) Hey, there's an idea. Why don't you have a band that just plays the first four bars of every song? Yeah, of every song. Yes. And we'll, we'll be called the first four bars. There you go. I'll be your manager. Done. Okay. I'll be your hype man. Great idea. Hey, look at that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, first, a business formed on a podcast. You're at least mine. <laughs> um, so I really do want to talk to you about the RVs and cats. Yeah. Amazon, and I should say kind of everywhere, um, special. So here's, but here's the thing I want to ask, actually. I think it was really interesting. Because I know that you were in New York, and we can talk about that in Enlight 2, the beginning, as an actress. And then you kind of got through the stand-up comedy, and you were doing great work as an actress in you know, television and commercials. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's, you got a divorce, it seems like, and then you decide to quit your job, load the stuff into an RV with two cats, and go to L.A., right? Yeah, that's it. That's and great. what I find fascinating, and I want to just talk to you about this, is, well, first of all, my wife and I, uh, late wife, we actually went across the country a billion times. Road trips were our thing. Oh. Uh, so I want to talk to you about the RV experience. Yeah. And I also want to talk about that decision, that moment when you said, I'm striking out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure something else out. I think that's incredible. Well, thanks. Um, it really was impromptu. It really, I, I didn't have a plan. I was in the corporate world. I was in the champagne industry. I was working for a company called Laurent Perrier. I was the, their Southeast director. I lived in Miami. Prior to Laurent Perrier, I was with Perrier Jouet and Champagne Moom. And for 12 years of my life, I was this you know, champagne persona. And it was sales and marketing and a lot of events. And I just became this personality within, you know, my networking community community. And before I knew it, it had just completely engulfed me and I lost myself Mm. and I wasn't happy. I was very comfortable financially. I, from the outside in, it looked like I was living a very opulent 
fun, comfortable life. And, but I just felt really that like vacuous and devoid of all things creative. I had just lost my spirit and I was an actor growing up and in my twenties. And that's really when I was very content and happy with chasing the dream. I was broke. I was just living from, you know, little job to little job. I would book commercials and, um, in theater primarily. And I did some soap work and, I really wasn't all that successful in my 20s as an actor, but I was really happy. Mm. And so uh, the money and all of that comfort that I had in the in the champagne world, I decided to just that that wasn't it for me. And I quit my job and I sold my home and liquidated all of my belongings and rented a 30 foot RV. Oh, and, grab my cat and a coffee maker. And I just started driving. But honestly, I didn't know that I was going to start acting again. I wasn't sure what it was going to be and certainly not stand up comedy. And I was driving and driving and I was hanging out in this RV park called Pecan Park in, um, in Austin, Texas. And I was hanging out with people named Waxfar. <laughs> I mean, I was just, you know, like, yep. I was hanging out with people. I was like, what do you do? I'm a poet. Oh, <laughs> like the kind of people that are so off the grid that yeah. they don't even have a last name. You know, that I befriended, I was like hanging out with those people. Sure. And uh, it was really badass. And I felt I was very boho and free and the longer I was living this kind of, or taking this kind of break and having that lifestyle, I realized, you know, the last time I was happy is when I was chasing my dream, which was acting. And then I kind of drilled down deeper and I thought, well, if I'm going to really, really go for it, what have I always wanted to do? And not only have I always wanted to pursue acting and I wanted that to work out, but really when I drilled down, it was stand up comedy. Huh. I always felt that I could do it. I just never really tried. So, you know, have you ever felt, you know, I'm sure even as a musician, you felt like you just kind of knew it chose you. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that's sort of, I just always had that feeling about it. Every time I watched comics and Gilda Radner and Lucille Ball and Moms Mabley, and ah. Joan Rivers and Ellen DeGeneres and uh -huh. those were just, you know, and, and Chelsea Handler. And, you know, and I, I just thought, well, I, I want to give it a go. I think I might, I might fit into that world. I might fit in within me in that world. Yes. Uh, by the way, Mom's Magley, good one there. Yeah. The good forgotten, word. the forgotten one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it, kind of, it kind of bothers me that we don't talk more about Mom's Mabley and she doesn't get the credit she deserves. No. Black, yeah. gay, older. Yep. You know, wow. And I talk about a trailblazer for that time. Gee, let me guess why she doesn't get the respect that she deserves. Yeah, yeah wow. right. As Maybe. I was thinking out loud, I thought, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's unfortunate. Um, which actually kind of, I did want to ask about this um, because, you know, men or sorry, uh, the Sanic world traditionally, at least, you know, been fairly male dominant. 
Um, absolutely, Melbourne. Right, absolutely, right. Absolutely. Total question. Yeah. Is it fairly? It was, Not fairly. It's no. absolutely male dominant. There's usually only one female on the bill. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I should not have. I, I, I misspoke. May I retract cool. my statement, please? Cool. It's cool. <laughs> dominated is the correct word. But so has it changed over the years? It got worse? It, it hasn't changed at all. Uh, I don't think. Um, I produce a monthly show at Hollywood Improv. And as a woman, obviously, I have it's female dominated. And, you know, as more and more producers are female uh, in the stand up world, we're seeing more women on the bill. But usually it is male dominated. And in their defense, women haven't really there really haven't been a lot of heavy hitters on the female side, not just because they haven't pursued it. Now more and more women are pursuing stand-up. But back in the day, there really were only a handful. So, you know, I I, I want to, I, I mean, it, you know, just to kind of justify how how it ended up being male-dominated, I think that's one of the factors. Certainly. But there's also, and I know you know this, there's also that thing of, well, checks can't really be that funny. Yeah, we there there is that. And again, I think it was just because the heavy hitters were just so minimal. And, you know, as more and more women, because that's a ridiculous statement. You and I, both, you know, I hope you know that I would imagine. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's nonsensical. So, you know, but, but I, I think as we kind of crescendo into this movement of more females stepping up, because it takes such a long time to master. I have only been doing this for six and a half years, stand up. And uh, it really takes 10 years to really be a household name to just come out with the guns mm-hmm. and just be so goddamn reliable and consistent and fall off your chair funny. It takes at least 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. People think they can just uh, just jump into it like I did. And this is, this is going to lead into another question. Mm-hmm. But I tried doing uh, a t- type five, I guess, or a type right. 10 um, right. three times in an open mic. And it was an interesting experience because when you're a musician and you're playing a song and you screw up, you've got three or four other people behind you who can kind of cover for you, right? Okay. Yeah. And you know this. You hit a bad line. You make a misstep. You bomb. That's on you. It's on you, but no one knows how it was supposed to go, right? So um, if I... If I miss a segue or the order isn't the way I wanted, no one will really know. And a really experienced comic will be able to cover it. And uh, I've, you know, that's really difficult to achieve within the first three years. But after three years, you should be able, if you're going out enough, because really you should be performing. Everyone has a different opinion about this, but I think you should be performing at least four nights a week mm-hmm. or four, four sets a week. And and you you should have enough uh, experience at that time after three years of of well it, actually the first first three years I was doing I was doing three sets a night oh, oh. Um, ju- just to open mics you know, just just to get fluid yeah and um, but but after three years you should be able to you know kind of be able to graze over any mistakes and no one's really going to know if you have the experience, but if you bomb, but Hey, sometimes it's just not your room and, you know, going back to your, you know, when, when it's on you. Yeah. Sometimes it is like if your material doesn't land, if your material isn't universal, 
I was just in Michigan uh, touring with Craig, uh, Craig Shoemaker last week. Okay. And I, I couldn't do my L.A. jokes. True. You know, you, you got to kind of know when to pull out certain bits. Well, it's true. Or like Kenny Rogers said, you got to know when to hold them. Know when to pull yeah. Them. Yeah. That it, very much so. That's really true. Everything. It's amazing how Kenny Rogers has actually became like the sage of so many people, including me. (laughs) You know, and a a great example, I earlier, and I hope I didn't offend you. I'm I'm trying not to say God damned. Why would I be offended Um, by that? Well, some people are, and I said it on stage in Michigan, and there were some Christians in the audience that really got offended by it. Oh, I think it's because I'm putting God in front of it. Yeah. Craig said, you know, that's worse than the F-bomb. I said, oh, I, I, cause I don't say the irony is I, I'm a clean comic. I don't say the F bomb. I don't, you know, but I, I did say that word to make the joke funnier. And yeah. What did they do? Did they, did they like start writhing and speaking in tongues and Satan, Satan? Uh, they just sat there and sulked. Uh, what yeah. did I expect? It's comedy. <laughs> All right. I, I want to go back. I keep, I want to go back to this again. The RV thing, I'm fascinated by it because, as I mentioned, I've been across the country at least five times, back and forth, every city, because of either A, touring in a van for the 90s, 10 years, or B, wife and I traveling all around the, around the country. And we would go to, like, the small, like, biggest potato, you know, in Iowa, and the, the smallest this, and the biggest thing of ketchup. And world's largest cedar bucket, by the way, Burkersboro, Tennessee. Oh, cool. <laughs> But we would do all that stuff. And so it was that spirit that, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you slightly more about, is that spirit that you had that was just like, fuck it. I'm going across country. I am Dennis Hopper, an easy writer. We're gone. <laughs> well, I had a lot of people reach out that inquiring of, of my state of mind. I, I <laughs> had, yeah, I had an, a DM from an old friend. Are you okay in the head? People just couldn't believe that I left that situation, yeah. uh, you know, to be this champagne ambassador for one of the most prestigious champagne houses. I would go back and forth, you know, Paris and champagne and, sure. you know, from the U.S. and the, just some amazing travel. And I had and I had this in my special, but I used Jeroboam's of champagne for doorstoppers. I mean, I, it was I had champagne coming out of my ears. <laughs> And people just couldn't believe I left that life. And, but after my divorce, I realized, you know, and, and, and I say, people are like, well, how did you do it? And some people were really envious and wanted to follow this train. And how did you do it? How did you do it? And it's really easy to do when you don't have kids. Yeah, true. And so that's, you know, when you don't have kids, you, you have the, the freedom to make those kind of, you know, and I, I also had youth on my side. You know, and it's I, I knew that I could rebuild again. I had time to rebuild and start a new, a fresh slate at, at this stage of my life. True. Yeah. It takes a lot of bravery to just start driving in an RV with two cats. And yeah. a I, I, I almost tipped coming out of the RV driveway, out of the parking lot of the RV place. And I didn't watch a video. They didn't give me a, all they wanted was my credit card. That is all they gave a shit about. Of course. <laughs> of course. And, and when it, when it got approved, they handed me the keys and, and that was it. And <laughs> I so not qualified to drive that thing. And the, and when I got gas, I took out the, the gas handle at the gas station. I bumped into it. And <laughs> I mean, I could have, yeah, I could have started an, an explosion. <laughs> what a, what a great beginning. 
Yeah, that was. A, I was actually scared driving it. I'm just. <laughs> I can imagine. I've actually been in those a bunch of times on tour. And those things driving yeah. those things is a monster. So how how large was yours? How long was your RV? Oh God, I don't know. I was drunk the entire time. It might have might have piled long. Nuts. Well, that's how to do it. Drive drive an RV drunk. <laughs> Look, it was a '90s. I was in a band. Come on, what do you want? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't remember quite honestly, but I do remember it. Just it's it was huge. But then there was like the whole like I can't poop in here. I, all right, you know, <laughs> love it. Not uh, not that, not that exciting. So moving on, my segues suck. Uh, how do you? I, I do want to know this. When you write, how do you get inspired? Like. Do you just suddenly are you driving and like there's a line? Better write it down. You know, I get inspired when I have a deadline. <laughs> uh, there we go. Yeah, I need a little bit of panic. I need a little bit of pressure. I need a little bit of a fear. Um, I need to be in a lineup of people where I don't want to look. I don't want to be embarrassed. I like to be in lineups that are at my level or higher, preferably a lot higher. Mm-hmm. And so I want to, I, I need to hold my own up there. And so I have tried to sit down and write like during COVID, it was so difficult because I didn't have a deadline. Oh. It was so, so hard to get inspired and to write. And it was hard to keep the weight off. Cause I didn't have to look good for any, any occasion or any, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cause like, yeah, I don't work out for me. What are you talking about? I work out with TV. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I had a, I was really in a lull and it, it was difficult to get that back once I started getting um, booked again. And, but I, I need a deadline. If I have a deadline, it's amazing. The things that come to me and I can really sit down and just plow it, man. I just, wow. It just, it just gushes out. It's just, it's like Cartman when he would throw up on South Park and it would just go. Oh, like, <laughs> Put a kid in stand by me, eating the, eating the pie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how I write. Yeah. That's, that's a writing process for you. Vomiting. Yes, that's it. I'm vomiting Cartman. Hey, well, whatever, however the muse gets you, right? <laughs> exactly. So speaking of the muse, I was... Again, we were talking earlier pre-record, but I have always said this because this most of this podcast or a lot of podcasts, I guess, is about storytelling, as I mentioned, and really getting meaning out of storytelling. Because my whole belief is that if there's a beginning and a middle and end, you can figure out the meaning there, right? Yes. Why did I tell that story to that person? Well, because it reminded me of mom, abandonment, or fear, or whatever that is. Right. And I think comedy does that really well, because comedy can disarm you, but also can really bring some true troops. You know, you had, like, Homer, you had Gilgamesh. It wasn't necessarily funny, but you had that, that, that oral tradition, and that's really what I'm talking about when it comes to good comedy, is that oral tradition. Like the griots in Africa, or the bards in Greece, and, and, and the minstrels and all that. So what kind of comedy, not kind of comedy, I guess really, who do you think some of the great storytellers were in comedy or are? I think almost all of them. I think any successful comic has to learn how to tell comedy with a beginning, middle, and an end. And um, it took me a while to wrap my head around that. I think just, you know, Bill Burr's last special I mean, that was really amazing. And the callback that he had in the very end about 
how he suppressed his feelings and he, he, he couldn't cry and how he, that whole callback about his father suppressing it. His father used to suppress his feelings and his wife would say, where is all that anger coming from? Well, I just don't understand all this anger. And he had that beautiful callback at the very end when his dog died. That was honestly one of the best specials, I think, of this past year. I I think Jim Gaffigan does an amazing job telling stories. And what I really respect about Jim Gaffigan is he, he does it clean. And that's really, really difficult to do. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't cheat at all with not even dirty content. It's one thing not to throw out the F-bombs, but to keep the content clean oh. and family friendly and still be universal. And to, I mean, who doesn't like Jim Gaffigan? Yeah, you know? amazing. Um, I think Tig Nataro does a really interesting thing. Love Tig. I do too. I do too. And I kind of... Um, have a, a similar crescendo of a delivery. I'm just a little slower at the delivery at the, at the, at the, to, at getting to the punchline. And I'm not nearly as at the level of TIG, but I, how she just really marinates in her beats. Hmm. She's so confident with those beats and uh, a wonderful, wonderful storyteller. She's amazing. I mean, I'm, yeah, there was it kind of her big thing uh, to a certain degree was uh, the show where she announced he had cancer. Right. That's when it exploded because that show at Largo and I've been at Largo a billion times. Yeah. And hearing that, you know, I remember getting some buzz. You could download it. And that was kind of a thing back then. Like a big thing. And my God, it put her on the map. Yeah. That was the, you know, it didn't really sound like it was scripted. Sounded like that she was just doing improv, and uh, that's kind of the the epitome of what you're talking about of of truth and putting that in in comedic form. However, you have to. Yeah, that and the and the great thing about comedy, it's funny. I was talking to another woman who, uh, a couple of uh, sessions ago. Sessions. This is not therapy, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. <laughs> wow. That was a, hey, get it? that was a Freudian slip. Get it? Love it. Love it. Bubble. Anyway. Um, you know, I, 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 was, uh, I was talking about, <laughs> no, of course, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, I'm going to move on anyway, and that might hit me later because I have ADHD. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. This is kind of an, this is an interesting one. So when you are... Um, I guess, what was the first comedian that you can remember? The first comic that, that kind of got you? Uh, Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers, yeah. She was doing, when I was a kid, she would once in a while uh, guest for Johnny Carson. Yep. And I didn't understand why she didn't have her own late night show. And I still don't understand in 2022 why we don't have a female comic doing a late night show for... For network television. You just answered your own question. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> that's why I'm saying, like, it's so obvious that this whole thing is still male-dominated. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But a no lot of incredibly funny women comics out there. But, you know, Joan Rivers. Wow. What a beast. Yeah, just right? like, what? Four foot 11? Goddamn beast. <laughs> Holy shit. She just, wow. I mean, fearless. Absolutely fearless. True. And for back then, 
I mean, it was even more of a, of a man's world and she just did not hold back and she had a lot to lose. She was very, you know, didn't have a husband, you know, after her husband passed and she, you know, she just went for it. I completely forgot about that. You're right. Mm -hmm. Oh, Joan. Joan, miss her a lot. Ah, what did she pass? I can't remember. A while ago. Uh, I think seven years ago. Seven years ago. Wow. Yeah, unexpectedly from, from of course, uh, cosmetic surgery. <laughs> no, was I, really? Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, she died of a facelift. I <laughs> Holy shit. Well, when you think about it, it's kind of a ho- good Hollywood death. Yeah, I mean, that's probably how she would have wanted to go. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> this makes so much sense. Exactly. <laughs> um, so on the, on the story, uh, on the comedy as truth teller thing, why do you think comics are, and I'm just making up this question, but why do you think comics are so, or can be drawn to telling truths? I think that if it's not true, it doesn't come out with the same conviction, the same kind of, it just doesn't have passion and it's very difficult to get the attention of the audience if it's not true. It just doesn't, it just, it's flat if it's not true. And it's kind of boring. You can absolutely tell when a comic is not saying their own material, when someone else has written their material for them, mm-hmm. um, or, or if it's just something that they thought was funny that's just way too out there where there's, it's so outlandish, there's no way it's true. And then you don't want to, you no longer want to pay attention to the comic and you, you just lose the, you just lose the room. So when you, when you say something that's true, so everything, every single premise to every bit I have ever written is true. And then you take that premise and you kind of, you know, Emeril Lagazi it up. I call it bam, you know, where you put the spice on it. (laughs) Just a little bit of bam, bam, just a little bit of spice. It's not really true, but the premise is true. And then you add what you have to, to just to add the funny. Can you give me an example of a true premise? I'll do one that an old standard of mine. It's blush. NARS cosmetics makes a blush and orgasm pink and screaming orgasm pink. (laughs) But I chose the color almost there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't, they they don't make a blush called almost there. I didn't think they would. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, but that's I got it. came up with because I thought I was in the makeup aisle at Sephora, huh? and I thought, oh my god, this is so funny, and I, it really was true. I didn't know how to, which to go with. Like, do I go with regular orgasm? I'm an underachiever. <laughs> I go with screaming orgasm. You know, okay, all right, that's uh-huh. what I should do. But is it really screaming? Is it do I? Is that too much? <laughs> well, how about almost there? You know, so that. Sure. Sure. Okay. I got to ask this now. Then how do you remember the joke? Do you write it on your phone or do you just go, eh, I'll remember later? Um, I write the premise as soon as I think about it. And I, uh, I, I have let so many wonderful premises go because I haven't, I didn't have the discipline to write it down. But now, no matter what, I write it down. I write it in my phone or I write it on like anything that's around me. Or I'll, I'll say to a friend if we're having dinner, um, oh, do you mind? May I just write down that premise right now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, you, you will forget. You will. It's so yeah. important to write it down. Sure. 
Uh, okay, I'm going to wrap this up here in a little bit, but I got some. I, this is this is something that I really did want to ask you. <laughs> the, the other ones you can just ignore. This is really the one I was going to ask you about. The whole reason we met today. <laughs> kind of it, really. The first forty minutes were just nothing. This is this is really it. <laughs> but I'm going to edit it out anymore. <laughs> anyway, I was thinking about this that as an artist, and, and I'm talking comic, I'm talking music, I'm talking writer, anything, you know, painter. I've noticed that if I don't keep creating, I die. Yeah. Right? And I've said this before. I say death can look like suicide. It can look like addiction. Or it can look like just a broken heart at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? And it's that, and I've talked to enough artists about this, so I wanted to get your opinion on that too, which sounds like you would agree. But it's just this like possession almost. Like people get possessed if you're an artist. If you don't get that thing out, you got to perform an exorcism almost. Yeah, you do. What do you think? I, I call it flatlining. You oh. need a zzz, zzz, zzz. I need a little zzz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's why I just, if I get down and if I'm just not happy with how things might be going, you know, like we have ups and downs in life. As a therapist, I'm sure you know about this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I need, but if I go to Laugh Factory and do like a killer 15 minutes, I've, they just brought me back from the dead, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And, and when I'm around people that inspire me and I'm sharing the mic and touching the mic with legendary comics that I respect and I can't even believe I'm sharing a stage with these people. It just, yeah. Yeah. Great to be at Griffin's man. I, I just, I've just been, yeah. What do you call it when you, I mean, alive. Yeah. When you, <laughs> I, I flatlined and, and it's, uh, it's fun. Well, you know, if one could pause it and now I'm going to be the therapist for a heartbeat and then you're going to charge me after this, after this session's over, <laughs> one could, one could say that this, that little zzz, zzz, the paddles thing on, on the heart, you yeah. basically did a triple bypass surgery on yourself when you took the RV out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Doc. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's exactly it. what you did. That's what I did, and that's what I'm going to say moving forward. Uh, I got a cut. Like it. I got a cut. 20%. Come on. For the joke. Okay. I, I'm fucking kidding. I'm completely okay, No, no I, Hey, uh, the, the, the proceeds are going to go to the children of Flint, Michigan. Done. <laughs> Clean water. I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all the proceeds that I made on my special went to the kids of Flint. Did it really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're a saint. I'm born and raised in Flint. So, um, the, the water situation has been rectified, but it took a really long time and, and who knows, I I was just there. I'm, I'm still not sure if I trust it. I didn't drink the water. (laughs) Yeah. I remind me of what happened actually. Uh, the governor, Rick Schneider, former governor, Rick Schneider decided to switch water sources from Lake Huron to the Flint river. And it created a, a chemical compound of lead and something about the pipes. And it just didn't, didn't take to the Flint river. I mean, the Flint river is Brown naturally. Like as kids, we would, we weren't allowed in the Flint river. Now we're going to drink it. It just doesn't seem uh, yeah. it was logical to, from the get go. But anyway, it was a decision that he made and, uh, and the, people of Flint, they don't really, a lot of the people of the city of Flint, they're low income and they don't have a voice. And mm-hmm. 
they were just grossly ignored. Their water was brown, and not only could they not drink it, they couldn't bathe in it. It's like the Ganges. You know, it was yeah, like it, it to 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 bathe in the water. It was creating severe abnormalities oh. in, in the kids, and we we still don't know the ramifications of you know nah. damage that's been done. But it was it was it was a five year battle getting those oh. people clean water, getting my people clean water. Let me guess. By the way, Governor, whatever that asshole his name is, let me guess. Saved money by going to the Flint. Exactly. Saved and, he, and then he tried to pass the buck. Of course. And, and let his people below him take the rap. Boy, that doesn't sound like a politician at all. I know. I know. The rarity. <laughs> the rare. Um, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to uh, kind of wrap this up here. But I got, uh, first of all, I have the final Jeopardy question. Cool. All right. For all, the, for all the money. And I think you kind of answered it earlier, but we'll see what happens. As a comic, as a writer, really, when do you know you're done? Oh, I'm never done. The joke is never done. Okay. You know, I, I was just on the road with Craig Shoemaker, one of the best comics ever, ever. Uh, and he said that I'm leaving meat on the bone, that my premises are so good, and the punchline is only one or two sentences. He said, I can keep going and going and going. A joke is never done. Wow. And so that's kind of the biggest lesson I've learned just, I learned that last weekend while performing at comedy castle. And I was really flattered. He said, it's a compliment, but you know, I, I'm leaving meat on the bone. And and it's interesting because the jokes in my special have evolved. The jokes today are much more layered. Of course. And I took those same jokes and now they have tags and more flavor and dimension and, so I, I don't think a joke is ever done. Interesting. Because it, I, I ask this question to every artist I meet, right? And there's always, of course, incredibly different answers. Although most of them usually say, when I don't, when I don't hate it anymore. So that was kind of good. But you're right, though. The interesting thing about comedy, and I don't think about this, is that you can evolve the joke because you're just doing it night after night. You are, and... And then, you know, I, I know a comic who he leaned hard. He was, a, he used to be a stoner and he leaned really hard on that in his act. He smoked, you know, cannabis every day for 40 years and he quit cold Turkey. And now what's he going to do with all that material? So what he's done is he's, he's had to like rearrange it and add that he's sober. And so now he's, he does that material, but now it has a whole different light to it and a whole different, kind of arc because it, and it's actually funnier now which and is that man that man ladies and gentlemen is tommy chong <laughs> uh i don't think he'll mind the shout out his name is rich hassler rich, rich hassler yeah I love that story. yeah he's, he's a he's a road comic but you know that's like a great example of like when you evolve or change as a person the jokes will too you can take that same joke and just tweak it Right. Because it, it has to relate to your life right now, or it's no longer your truth. Right. Interesting. So you, wow, interesting. I like that. So you're saying I should throw all the, all the jokes I had about liking Duran Duran when I was a kid out the window? Uh, no, I just saw Duran Duran um, last month in concert. I, I used to, I, Don't throw those jokes out. They're, they're amazing. 
But let's be honest. The only I will say this about 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 D squared. First of all, um, and I giant fan. Got to be honest. When I was a kid, and still kind of am, and used to work with them. I wonder about those records for a heartbeat. Met them a couple of times. Great guys. But but that movie they made, there was like the reflex and all that it wasn't that great. Oh, I didn't see the movie. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm a bigger fan than you are. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Um, I really appreciate it. So here's what we're going to do. Final thing is um, I'm, we're going to kind of quote unquote hang up. And then after that, I'll stop recording and then we'll just keep chatting. All right. Okay. But gonna, it's going to involve some acting. This is the acting portion of the show. Excellent. Um, I'm going to say goodbye. And then you say goodbye to me. Ham it up if need be. And we'll go from there. Here we go. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, so, by the way, can I say Sarah J? Uh, sure, Sarah J. Halstead. Sarah J. Halstead. Okay, or just Sarah J. It's like a DJ name. I like Sarah it. Sarah J. There's a very famous porn artist. Artist. They like to be called artists now. <laughs> I um, didn't know that. Named Sarah J. So. Uh, okay. Really? <laughs> artists. Yeah. She got, she got the name before me. I'm going to let her have it. <laughs> Do they really want to be called? I mean, whatever. But do they want to be called artists? Is that yeah, really? yeah, they do. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be respectful of that. Interesting. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, great talk. I learned a lot, especially that. That's a great <laughs> lots of info. <laughs> Again, everything else. The first fifty minutes of this interview, folks. I'm trashing anyway. This is the this is the meat, <laughs> the gold. Exactly. All right, say goodbye to me, and then I'm going to hang up, and then we'll right. say goodbye. Beth Watson, thank you very much for having me. I had a great time. Hooray for everybody.